Happy 2024, everyone. Um, we are back 2024 with a new episode. Um, so yeah, just, you know, quick life update like usual. So, um, we are filming this on January 1st. So last night, um, I came up to Hallie's house and we did game night and her mother and I got under the table and ate 12 grapes. (laughs) If you know, you know, you know, at this point I'll take what I can get. So we did it. If it helps, great. If it doesn't do anything, that's fine too. Um, so with that said, I did start a new bullet journal this morning, which is fun. I haven't done a bullet journal in a couple years because I think the last couple years I've just done a regular like store-bought planner. Um, and I'm back on the bullet journal kick, so got that going. Um, this year I think I've decided to do what has burnt me out on a bullet journal in the past is trying to do too much. And I don't have the time or energy for doing all that so this year I kept it really simple I still like all my book goals are in there and then like filling in my little bookshelf that I made is still going to be happening but I'm still sticking to like my excel sheet system that I've been working with for books because it works great and there's no point in trying to do too much in my bullet journal so just sticking with a basic layout um and then I did start so I do workouts with the fitness marshal who does like dance workouts on YouTube. Um, and he started his January challenge. So I started that today. Um, tomorrow is a freebie, but you won't have listened to this by then. So I don't know where I was going with that, (laughs) but hopefully you joined. Let us know if you joined because it's fun. And that's honestly, Joining his free sweat session last year is what made me subscribe to him. So I've been subscribed for almost, I think, well, I've I've been subscribed for a full year now, starting tomorrow. And doing the free sweat session is what made me subscribe. So just saying. You can still go back and do it. By the time you listen to this, you can still go do it on YouTube. It'll be live streamed tomorrow, but he uploads all the live streams. So you can still do it later so i recommend go doing it going and doing it and if you like it subscribe it's totally worth it it's more fun than you would think and i do not dance i am not coordinated but i enjoy the heck out of those workouts because it's a way of breaking a sweat working your muscles and having fun doing so because they're really funny and it's just a blast um, I also went and saw Anyone But You with Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell with Emily, and it was hilarious. I think it's one of the better movies I've watched in a while, and it's definitely one of the funnier movies I've watched in a long time. Like, we never stopped laughing that whole movie. There were several points where, like, tears were just rolling down my face. It was so funny. So, I definitely recommend. Um, I did do a small Kindle haul. So, I got a new case. I got a magnetic strip. For my case and then I got a mag- magnetic pop socket and a stand that hooks to my windowsill that my Kindle can magnetize to and the stand will hook my Kindle will stay on the stand and I can read laying flat in the bed not having to hold my Kindle um, I did also buy a clicker but it doesn't come in until the 10th so wait on that um, 
and then a slight book haul. Um, we went shopping at Barnes and Noble, but there was like little to nothing because I guess everybody's been using their gift cards, um, which is why I was there. But I did get One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle, When You Were Mine by Rebecca Searle, and One Dark Window by Rachel Gillig. And then when I got home, I got on Barnes and Noble's website and used my gift card to buy Powerless by Lauren Roberts. Throne of the Fallen by Carrie Maniscalco, and I got the signed edition. Ooh. And then I got The Edge of Falling by Rebecca Searle, Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross, Realm of Shadows and Flame Hardcover by B.L. Talley. So it's got a different design on the hardcover. Um, and then House of Earth and Blood and House of Sky and Breath Special Edition Paperbacks by Sergey Moss. So I'm excited. Um, they're all coming in this week, I think. Um... And then tomorrow, my Crescent City t-shirt that I ordered for going to a midnight release party somewhere um, comes tomorrow, and it looks like a club t-shirt, and it says, The Drop, and it's got, like, disco balls on it, and it looks like it's, like, an advertisement for an event at the club or something. Like, it looks really cool, Mm -hmm. so I'm excited that comes tomorrow. Um, Still looking to find a midnight release party to go to. So far, nobody's advertising one except for a local independent bookstore in Knoxville called Fable Hollow, but theirs is requesting a dress code of ball gowns or, like, fairy core, so I guess they want you to kind of dress, like, either in a ball gown or dress like Aelin, basically, and, like, wear a cape or whatever, which is fine, but not really the, like, I wouldn't care to go to, like, one of those really cool balls where people are doing that. But I don't really want to do that for a midnight release party. Mm-mm. Because I feel like at some point it's going to get really late and I'm going to get really tired and I'm going to be like, I wish I was not wearing this right now. Plus, I bought that t-shirt and that's what I really wanted to wear. And so, I'm trying to look for more of a cozy midnight release party. I'm hoping either Neighborly's in Maryville or at least the Barnes & Noble in Knoxville will do it. If not, I guess I'm having a midnight release party with myself at my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Yeah, bought the shirt for the midnight release party, but we'll we'll see if that happens. I don't know. Still looking. If you live near Knoxville, Tennessee, and you know of a place that we can go, please let me know. But that's all I have. All right. So for my catch up, um, like Carmen said, we went shopping for Christmas. We went into Barnes and Noble, and I did. I walked out of there with nothing, which well no i want i got one book i lied sorry i got one book i got the last book in the a good girl's guide to murder trilogy as good as dead by holly jackson so i'm really excited to get back into those books i loved the first one so i cannot wait to read the second and the third one um but yeah i've still not spent my barnes noble gift card i need to um but we did go to a couple other places we went to ulta and I got me some more makeup brushes because I kind of need some new ones. Because some of them I need to throw away because they're very old. They need to go bye-bye. And then we went into Target and I don't think I got anything in there. But yeah, we did go Christmas shopping. And another thing is that I finally sat down and watched, got caught up with the Percy Jackson series on Disney+. Plus. Um, me, my dad, and my mom are all watching it. I managed to convince them to watch it, and 
it's been very good so far. Very book accurate, which I am so happy for. And I, even my dad loves it and he's never read the books or watched the movies, but he's loving it so far. I think the casting is really good. Yeah. I have no complaints. I think Walker is, I think that's his name. Walker is the perfect Percy Jackson. <laughs> he is perfect. I love the girl who plays Annabeth. She, she's giving me that Annabeth energy. And the boy who's playing Grover is doing very good. Grover has always been one of my favorites. He's, he's, he's a ball of sunshine. That's what I like to call him. And... Yeah, that's pretty much all I have, other than I'm still recouping from surgery. But I am walking a lot better. I managed to I managed to walk around in the mall with crutches and not go through any pain. So I would say that is a plus. It's a sign of progress. So yeah, that's all I've got. Well then. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Family Fiction with Hallie. And Carmen. That's the first one for the new year. Yes. I think by the time this comes out, it'll be pretty much our one-year anniversary. We did look up, and our first episode went up January 4th, so this will be coming out on January 3rd. So, technically. It's pretty close. Pretty close. Um, um, so, yeah. But, yeah, that's so crazy. That's so crazy we've been doing this for a whole year. It's like we said in the last episode. Um, And in today's discussion, we're going to be doing our December wrap-ups. And I am very proud to say that me and Carmen have racked up quite a few books for this month. I have 12. Yeah, and I have eight. So (laughs) I'd say we, it's going to be a long one. And before we get into that, we always do our currently reading Carmen always has an audiobook and a physical book, and I usually just have one. <laughs> so, Carmen, what are you currently reading? My audiobook is It's In His Kiss by Julia Quinn. It's the next to last book in the Bridgerton series, so I'm very excited about it. And then physical book is Underneath It All by Kate Canterbury, and I'm reading it for book club, but so far it's pretty good, so I'm excited to see where it goes. It's interesting. It's a romance been getting into like all these romances lately it's it's become my new favorite genre i don't all of a sudden i don't know that's all i've been reading lately good what about you so mine <laughs> um my current read i started it today and that is house of sky and breath by sarah j moss i am prepping for house of flame and shadow um i've been trying to catch up i only had two books left to get caught up on before House of Flame and Shadow comes out, and that's A Court of Silver Flames and House of Sky and Breath. And I read A Court of Silver Flames in December, and so I moved House of Sky and Breath to read in January because I don't think I would have made it. Because <laughs> House of Sky and Breath is huge. I I would, I don't know if it's bigger than A Court of Silver Flames. It looks like it, judging from the... It's, it was one of her, it was her biggest one at the time, and mm-hmm. Flame and Shadow is supposed to be bigger than it. It's supposed to be her biggest one that she's ever come out with, supposedly. Great. So. So here's hoping it fits on my bookshelf. Oh, I know, because, like, I've, I don't know if it'll fit. Well, I could we technically, I could scoot over a Court of Thorns and, and Roses a, a little bit. And you could put Assassin's Blade on top. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. But yeah, mine's going to fit, but my new paperbacks that I ordered won't fit on my shelf, so they're going to have to go. What paperbacks did you order? The special edition paperbacks. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it comes down to if they don't fit, I can always, like, move my Sarah J. Moss shelf down because my shelves get bigger the farther down they go, so I can always just move it. My issue is that, that mine is on one of the bigger shelves and it's not going to fit. <laughs> here we are we'll have to i'll have to play tetris and make it work listen i would consider it an accomplishment so for those of you who may not know i'm a manga reader i'm a manga collector and i got all of haikyuu which is a 45 volume series and i have bookshelves in my room for them they're my old bookshelves and i was like there's no way this is gonna fit but i managed to play tetris and i I finagled it. So, if I can get Haikyuu to fit on a bookshelf, surely I can get my Sarah J. Moss to fit somewhere. We'll put it that way. We'll figure it out. Alrighty. So, I don't know how exactly we're going to do this. I guess we'll just go... Well, I've got... Mine are pretty much grouped together. Like, I kind of grouped them together within my own thing. So, mm-hmm. I'll give... This first set... It's just all the same series, so I can give the first three. Yep. All right. All right. We'll get started on our December wrap-ups. Um, so, the first one I have is The Hollow Boy by Jonathan Stroud. Um, I gave the book a five, writing a five, characters a five, plot a five, spice a zero. So, this is the third book in the Lockwood & Company series. Um, I feel like I've talked about this a lot on the podcast about what the series is, but I've really loved reading the series and um this one was my favorite out of the whole series. Um but I shall give a synopsis if I can get it pulled up here. Let me let me do a synopsis of the first one. Just so we don't give any spoilers. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay. So, um, when the dead come back to haunt the living, Lockwood and company step in. For more than 50 years, the country has been affected by a horrifying epidemic of ghosts. A number of psychic investigation agencies have sprung up to destroy the dangerous apparitions. Lucy Carlyle, a talented young agent, arrives in London, hoping for a notable career. Instead, she finds herself joining the smallest, most ramshackle agency in the city, run by the charismatic Anthony Lockwood. When one of their cases goes horribly wrong, Lockwood and company have one last chance of redemption. Unfortunately, this involves spending the night in one of the most haunted houses in England and trying to escape alive. Set in a city stalked by specters, The Screaming Staircase is the first in a chilling new series of suspense, humor, and truly terrifying ghosts. So that is the description of the first one. Um, So as far as the third one goes, this was hands down my favorite of the series, um, like as a whole. Uh, There were multiple times where I was sweaty, nervous, and genuinely scared. Um, for a series that is found in the kids section of the bookstore, it is genuinely creepy and I don't know why it's in the kids section. And it's also like super, super good. As a 25 year old reading it, I enjoyed the heck out of it. And I'm not talking it's in the young adult section. I'm talking it's in the kids section. So that's crazy to me. 
Um, I have a love-hate relationship with Holly in this one. Um, also with Lockwood throughout this book. Because he was just never really helping the situation. And Holly wasn't helping the situation. And I was like, can somebody just play, please pay attention to Lucy for once. Thank you. Um, and the ending of it had me slamming the book. And several points of this book had me closing taking deep breaths and trying not to cry out of fear. Like there were multiple moments of speaking to my invisible cameraman. (laughs) It was bad. Um, As far as the next one goes, the creeping shadow, which is the fourth in the series, gave the book a five writing a five characters, a five plot, a five spice, a zero. Um, Each book just kept getting better and better. And this one definitely was up there. Hollow boy is still my favorite, but this one was very close. Second, um, the Locklyle, which is the ship name for Lockwood and Lu- Lucy Carlisle, was, like, very intense in this one. Like, the tension was there. And, like, nobody can tell me these two don't have feelings for each other. Um, the ending had me so excited for the next and final book in the series. Just the way it ends is, is, is a huge cliffhanger and you're just, like, ready for the next one. Um... Not only does each book get better, they also get creepier as they go along. Do with that what you will. Some of the chapters in this one had me sweating and having to take a breather. This was the one I was reading when Hallie came to the house and I was reading about a little boy ghost and then she knocked on the door. Oh, I remember that. (laughs) Um, And then the last book in the series, The Empty Grave. Um, Everything of five, Spice of Zero. Um, I am so sad that this series is over. It really makes me sad to be done with it and put it on my shelf and know that there's no more the show's done it just makes me really sad um i've loved every second of this amazing series and i have no complaints about the way the story is wrapped up no crumbs were left lock lyle is in full send mode and this finale is one intense adventure after another um like the ending of the description of book five literally says it will have you going back to book one to read it all over again and i thought that was like a cute tagline but no they're being serious like as soon as i finished it i wanted to go back and read the whole thing over again like i had i read book books one and two and then rewatched the show because it's books one and two in season one and then I read the rest of the series. And as soon as I finished the series, I wanted to reread the whole series. And I wanted to rewatch the show again. It's so good. I'm really excited to get... I have The Screaming Staircase on my bookshelf. And so I'm really excited to get into that series. It's so good. If you are a fan of Erin A. Craig's, like, eeriness in her books, you'll like Lockwood and Company. Because it is that eerie. Like, she's, they're literally seeing and, like, hunting ghosts. It's crazy, but it's so good. Um, so, yeah, that is my first set on my December wrap-up. So, my first book on my wrap-up is, this is the title of the book, The Six Olympians 2 by Maria Alarcon. I'm going to get a synopsis for the first one. That way we don't spoil anything. Um, what if the Titan Kronos hadn't swallowed the gods and had banished them to Earth instead? Raised as regular orphans with scrambled memories, as soon as they hit their 16th birthday, discrepancies about themselves and their past start to bubble up, and abilities start to break through. They are suddenly made aware of who they are and the prophecy they are made for. 
being sent off into a mythical and dangerous journey to overthrow their father and save the world before he gets to them. Six gods, one titan, one epic battle. So that's the synopsis for the first one. Um, in terms of rating, um, I gave the book a two, writing a three, characters a three, plot a three, spice a one. I mean, they kiss. That's about as far as they go. Um, this was very hard for me because I was so looking forward to this one. Like, I loved the first one because I liked the idea and I liked the premise of the first book. And the second one just lost me at at some point I think the pacing was very slow like it took me it took a sheer amount of willpower to keep reading and honestly I got so bored to the point where I started skimming through the book and I mean it's not that big of a book but still for that short of a book to be boring to me is not a good sign and it kind of it's not it's technically not a bad thing, but it also doesn't work for this book. It reads like it was on Wattpad at some point in terms of, like, how it's formatted and sometimes even the dialogue. If you have been on Wattpad before, you probably know what I mean <laughs> by it reads like Wattpad. There were, a, I caught quite a few grammar issues in terms of, like, spelling and sentences just not being right. And also, another thing that kind of got on my nerves is the characters. They're not... For it to be a second book in a series, the main characters are still... They're still kind of... Ba they're still kind of baselined. They're not really developing at all. And even, like, the newer characters that get introduced, they're very, like, this is this person. This is what they... look. This is their personality. Like, it's very... Sh like baseline there's not any further fleshing them out and especially with the main characters because if it's a second book in a series they need to start they need to start fleshing out just a little bit but they're still stagnant and I don't know this one was just this one was kind of a letdown and I really hate that because when I finished the first book it ended on such a cliffhanger that I immediately was like I need the second book now and then I ordered the second book and got it and I just I didn't enjoy it and that makes me sad well to me it would be a red flag that they couldn't come up with a different name for the second book well the fact that it's literally called the, the six olympians 2 well she called well the way she does it she calls it the six olympians 2 if we go down we go down together I and know, that but doesn't still like you need don't name it the six olympians 2 yeah. I just feel like that's a lame name. Like, you can come up. Because if it's the series, then it would be called the tagline, and then it would say the Six Olympians series. Like, it wouldn't. Kind of like Crescent City is Crescent City House of, Earth, House of Earth and Blood, Crescent City House of Sky and Breath, but the main title that everybody knows it by is House of Sky and Breath. Yeah, Percy Jackson's like that. Because it's not even on the spine of the book. Mm -hmm. the tagline it yep. just says six yeah percy jack percy jackson's like that it's percy jackson the lightning thief percy jackson the sea of monsters well, i mean literally like harry potter exactly harry potter and the sorcerer's stone like it's it's not that hard <laughs> but yeah that was that was a letdown 
we can just go every other now. Okay. We're down to the same count. Um, so my next one was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows by J.K. Rowling. So this was finishing up my annual reread. Um, Everything of Five, Spice of Zero. Um, it's such a great way to wrap up the story. And, like, it's crazy how much they changed in the movies. But, like, the movie gets the heart of it correct. Um, but I always love rereading the series every year. This year I listened to it for the first time, which was interesting. You just catch a lot of things you don't, like, every, that you don't before. Like, every time I reread it, I catch something new. Um, if you haven't read the series yet, you need to do so. Like, this is such an iconic series. This is a nostalgic series. It's just a must it's always number one recommendation for me. I've had a lot of friends read the series for the first time this year, which has been fun to witness. <laughs> um, but it's so magical, and it's like, it's one of those books, it is kind of like Lockwood and Company. It's found in the kids' section, but you're going to love it as a full-blown adult. Oh, yeah. So just go for it. It's like a, it's timeless. Like, anybody can read it at any age. Yeah. And if you don't know what Harry Potter's about, it's about an 11-year-old boy named Harry Potter who is living with his aunt and uncle and his cousin. And because his parents died when he was a baby. And one day this giant shows up, well, half giant, um, and he tells him that he's a wizard and he whisks him off to a school for witchcraft and wizardry named Hogwarts. And it covers... Harry's journey throughout the years at Hogwarts and the friends he makes and the adventures he goes on and the villains he takes down in each book and it's just such a good story if you're in any way curious about reading the books and you would like to know if you would even like reading the books and you haven't seen the movies I would suggest like you could at least go watch the movies and then say oh I do want to read the books because the books has they have so much more information in them than the movies give you. So definitely read the books if you like the movies. But, you know, if you're on the fence, you could go watch the movies first. Yes. I think that's what I did, technically. I watched the movies. Oh, all... you definitely watched the movies and then read the books. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't even finish the books. <laughs> and we finished the movies. <laughs> Listen. Here. New Year's re- New Year's resolution right here. I will read the rest of the Harry Potter series. You better. <laughs> I will say it here. All right. Um, my next one that I have is We'll Always Have Summer by Jenny Han. It is the third book in the Summer I Turn Pretty trilogy. So I'm going to give you the summary to the first book, The Summer I Turn Pretty. Belly measures her life in summers. Everything good, everything magical happens between the months of June and August. Winters are simply a time to count the weeks until the next summer. A place away from the beach house, away from Susanna, and most importantly, away from Jeremiah and Conrad. They are the boys that Belly has known since her very first summer. They have been her brother figures, her crushes, and everything in between. But one summer, one wonderful and terrible summer... The more everything changes, the more it all ends up just the way it should have been all along. All right. So, I give the book a three, writing a three, characters a three, plot a three, spice a one. So, I liked it. As far as a ending to a trilogy, I liked it. 
I really did. Um, I read this in one sitting, so that tells you anything. I flew through it. Of course, they're not that... They're tiny, so... Um, I will say, though, there were several moments where I got frustrated with the book. I'm reading my notes. I'm blanking. Um, I was pretty all right with how it ended. I knew who she was going to get with. I think we all know. From the get-go. Kind of like watching Bella and Jacob. Like, yeah. Y'all can play your games, but we know who you ended up with. Yeah. Um, at this point, I was just trying to finish the series i was putting it off for so long and i was just like why not it's tiny i can just add it to the december wrap-up and i did and i liked it i thought it was pretty good i think i kind of want to watch the show now <laughs> the uh, show's really good honestly i like i read the books i think i read them like one day each because they're really short they're very young adult and they're too young adult for me but i love the show the show's good Okay, so, yeah. Alright, that's all I got for that one. The next one I have is Shut Out by Avery Keelan. Um, After my life goes sideways in the middle of sophomore year, I'm forced to move in with my older brother and two of his hockey teammates. I'm less than thrilled at the idea of living with three athletes in their stinky gear, their rotating door of hookups, and their tendency to inhale every snack in the house. But when I walk in the front door with an armload of boxes, I'm faced with another problem entirely. Hades. One of my new roommates is the tall, tattooed stranger from my one-night stand on Halloween. Oh, why? (laughs) So this is actually the second book in the series. You can read them as standalones. They're like, a bunch of romance books are doing that these days, and I love it. So, like, the first book is about her brother and how he gets with his the girl he's with in this book. Um, but you can read them as standalones. Like, I read this and haven't read the other one and was never lost. But it made me want to read the other one. The twist- Now I want to read about her brother. The Twisted series does that, and I like it. It made me want to read about her brother. But, um, yeah, it was good. I mean, I'm on this, like, I told you, I'm on this romance kick. And apparently I'm on a hockey kick. This was for book <laughs> club. But this is the second series that I've read that has to do with hockey guys. And we were all laughing about it. Like, we're going to take a book club field trip one of these days to a hockey game. Because <laughs> we're all slightly obsessed. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, I gave it a five. And then I gave writing a five, characters a five, plot a five, and spice was a three. Um, it wasn't too heavy on the spice. It was a good amount of spice. It had the sweet little moments. There wasn't, it wasn't dark romance. It definitely was just regular romance. Um, there was no toxicity, which was kind of a breath of fresh air for once. Um, I just need, like every once in a while you got to come up for air. I love the dark romance genre, but every once in a while you got to come up for air. Um... It provided the appropriate amount of smut without being too much, coupled with the sweet little moments like I like. Um, I have no complaints about the book, like, whatsoever. Uh, The characters are enticing and the plot is appropriately realistic. Like, you know, if this were to happen to someone, like, the things that took place, you're like, that's realistic. It's not like some of the dark romance books I read, you're like, that's never going to happen. But, okay. Um, We hope some of these things um i did read this book for book club like i said but i will be picking up the other book because it was really good 
All right. So my next book for our wrap-up is Twisted Hate by Anna Huang. This is the third book in the Twisted series. This is Josh and Jules' story. So I'm going to give you the synopsis. Gorgeous, cocky, and fast on his way to becoming a hotshot doctor, Josh Chen has never met a woman he couldn't charm, except for Jules Ambrose. The beautiful redhead has been a thorn in his side since they met, but she also consumes his thoughts in a way no woman ever has. When their animosity explodes into one unforgettable night, he proposes a solution that'll get her out of his system once and for all, an enemies with benefits arrangement with simple rules. No jealousy, no strings attached, and absolutely no falling in love. Outgoing and ambitious, Jules Ambrose is a former party girl who's focused on one thing, passing the attorney's bar exam. The last thing she needs is to get involved with a doctor who puts the suffer in insufferable, no matter how good looking he is. But the more she gets to know him, the more she realizes there's more than meets the eye to the man she's hated for so long, her best friend's brother, her nemesis, and her only salvation. Theirs is a match made in hell, and when the demons from their past catch up with them, they're faced with truths that could either save them or destroy everything they've worked for. So... I gave the book a four, writing a four, characters a four, plot a four, spice a five. <laughs> this book was very spicy. Um, I would say out of all of the twisted books that I've seen circle book talk, this is the one that is probably the most divisive. People either love it or they hate it. Leaning a little more towards people hate this book. <laughs> but um, I actually loved it. I liked it. And... Um, I absolutely flew through it. Like, from the, I kind of like books like this where it's, they're thrown into the situation where it's like the enemies with benefits thing, but I'm like, you two are going to fall in love. I know it right here, right now. And it's really fun to watch that happen. And Josh and Jules as a couple, they're okay. As far as the couples so far in the series, they're not my favorite, there's definitely some issues there <laughs> that need to be worked out. Um, you do see some work. You do see. You do. See, oh, good grief. I cannot speak. You do see some recurring characters in this book. The main ones that show up are Alex and Ava from the first book because Ava and Josh are related. And I think it's really fun seeing that dynamic. I don't know what it is. But Alex, in the other books, is ten times more funny than he is in his own book. Like, he's so much better in Twisted Hate and Twisted Lies. And, but in his own book, he's like, uh, he... red flags. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really liked this one. I can see why people don't like it, but as far as I'm concerned, I liked it. All right, next one. Next one I have is When He Was Wicked by Julia Quinn. This is the, um, one, two, three, fifth? No, sixth. Sixth book in the Bridgerton series. Um, so this was Francesca's book. Everything was so much simpler when he was wicked. In every life, there is a turning point. 
a moment so tremendous, so sharp and breathtaking that one knows one life will never be the same. For Michael Sterling, London's most infamous rake, the that moment came the first time he laid eyes on Francesca Bridgerton. After a lifetime of chasing women, of smiling slyly as they chased him, of allowing himself to be caught but never permitting his heart to become engaged, he took one look at Francesca Bridgerton and fell so fast and hard into love, it was a wonder he managed to remain standing. Unfortunately for Michael, however, Francesca's surname was to remain Bridgerton for only a mere 36 hours longer. The occasion of their meeting was, lamentably, a supper celebrating her imminent wedding to his cousin. But that was then. Now Michael is the Earl and Francesca is free, but still she thinks of him as nothing other than her dear friend and confidant. Michael dares not speak to her of his love until one dangerous night when she steps innocently into his arms and passion proves stronger than even the most wicked of secrets. Oh, heavens. Let me tell y'all. So, my favorite book in this series has been Benedict's and Sophie's, and, like, nobody has even, like, come close before. This book came very, very close. (laughs) I still wouldn't put it above Benedict and Sophie's, but very close second. It was so good. Um, Like, the plot and, like, the characters were so enticing from the very first chapter. Like, you immediately get hooked on their storyline. With some of these, I had an issue getting hooked on their storyline. Eloise was one for me that I really couldn't get attached. And this one, like, chapter one, I was was ready. I was attached. Um, It is a forbidden romance trope. We love. We all love. Um quickly fell in love with the characters because of this like just watching them try to like deny that they have feelings for each other and then him trying to like crush his feelings down was fun to watch um again still doesn't be out benedict and sophie but it was very close and i i loved it michael was beautiful and i can't wait to see her season of the show whenever it finally happens um I know they changed actresses. It, the actress that used to play Francesca was the girl who plays Lucy Carlyle in the Lockwood and Company series. And she had a Henry Cavill moment happen to her. She pulled out of Bridgerton because they were going to be filming Lockwood and Company. And then Lockwood and Company got canceled and they had already recast in Bridgerton. Sad day. Isn't that so sad? So, um, it does have a new actress, but I think she, she looks good, so I think it'll be good. But, um, she's supposed to be in this season... Penelope and Colin, so that'll be fun. But yeah. Alright, so my next one is the final book in the Twisted series by Anna Huang, Twisted Lies. <laughs> and I remember talking to Alyssa about this, and I think she said this one was probably her favorite. Um, But this one is Stella and Christian's story. So... Charming, deadly, and smart enough to hide it, Christian Harper is a monster dressed in the perfectly tailored suits of a gentleman. He has little use for morals and even less use for love, but he can't deny the strange pull he feels toward the woman living just one floor below him. She's the object of his darkest desires, the only puzzle he can't solve, and when the opportunity to get closer to her arises, he breaks his own rules to offer her a deal she can't refuse. Every monster has their weakness. 
she's his. His obsession, his addiction, his only exception. Sweet, shy, and introverted, despite her social media fame, Stella Alonzo is a romantic who keeps her heart in a cage. Between her two jobs, she has little time or desire for a relationship. But when a threat from her past drives her into the arms and house of the most dangerous man she's ever met, she's tempted to let herself feel something for the first time in a long time. Because despite Christian's cold nature, he makes her feel everything when she's with him. Passionate, protected, truly wanted. Theirs is a love twisted with secrets and tainted by lies. And when the truths are finally revealed, they could shatter everything. <laughs> oh boy. Sounds fun. This book is a wild. It's a wild time. Um, I gave the book a five, writing a four, characters a five, plot a five, spice a five. I loved this one. I would say it... Normally, I said Twisted Games is my favorite one, and none of the others really came close to it. Twisted Lies came very close to it. Like, I was hooked from the get-go. I love Christian and Stella as a couple. Now, granted, Christian does some questionable things, but I mean... <laughs> he's, good, he's good looking while he's doing it, so... Don't they all? Uh, um... Like I said before, the Twisted series, it's about, it's like the Bridgertons. It's about different people. It's like all in the same friend. All the girls are friends. And so each book is about an each girl. And so they can, they can be read as standalones. So, and I could honestly see reading it as a standalone. Like I probably would have read Twisted Games and Twisted Lies and probably not worried about the others. And then probably picked them up later. But I actually kind of like that I read it as a series all the way through from first to last. Because I got to see a, the full-blown story play out. Because even though they're all separate, there's still somewhat of a cohesive story. It's a small one, but it's there. Um, I, think it wrap, I think it wrapped up great. I loved the ending. It was... It was very good too. This was probably my first romance that I read, real romance, and I liked it. So I think I'm going down the rabbit hole in this genre. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> after's it's probably fun. After's gonna be read sometime after this. Heavens. <laughs> <laughs> I pray for thee. <laughs> That's gonna be fun to witness. That was one that I stayed up. I think that's the only book that, well, there's very, there's only a handful of books in this life that I have genuinely stayed up to like three o'clock in the morning reading the dang book. And the after series is one of them. The entire series. I would stay up to like three o'clock in the morning reading the book because I could put it down. Great. So good luck. But it's a lot of short chapters. Okay. <laughs> so you'll have fun. All right. Okay, my next one is In Five Years by Rebecca Serrell. Um, where do you see yourself in five years? When type A Manhattan lawyer Danny Cohen is asked this question at the most important interview of her career, she has a meticulously crafted answer at the ready. Later, after nailing her interview and accepting her boyfriend's marriage proposal, Danny goes to sleep knowing she is right on track to achieve her five-year plan. But when she wakes up, she's suddenly in a different apartment with a different ring on her finger and beside a very different man. 
The television news is on in the background, and she can just make out the scrolling date. It's the same night, December 15th, but 2025, five years in the future. After a very intense, shocking hour, Danny wakes again at the brink of midnight, back in 2020. She can't shake what has happened. It certainly felt much more than merely certainly felt like much more than merely a dream, but she isn't the kind of person who believes in visions. That nonsense is only charming coming from free-spirited types like her lifelong best friend Bella. Determined to ignore the audit sorry, determined to ignore the odd experience, she flies she files it away in the back of her mind. That is until a four and a half until four and a half years later, when by chance, Danny meets the very same man from her long-ago vision. Brimming with joy and at heartbreak, In Five Years is an unforgettable love story that reminds us of the power of loyalty, friendship, and the unpredictable nature of destiny. So I will... Let me give you the writings. Book a three, writing a five, characters a four, plot a three, spice a two. Um, I thought this book was gonna take a different turn than it did so I was very very shocked by the ending I will say that I never predicted what was gonna happen um did not go the way I thought it would um with this being a standalone I was hoping for more closure in the end but overall it was pretty good um it was just a major major plot twist in the end and it wasn't was what I was expecting based off like the events of the beginning of the book um but it was still interesting i really enjoyed it i gave it a three so my ratings run off the like goodreads rating so a three on goodreads is i liked it um it wasn't my favorite book but i still think it was good and it was it's a book i would recommend to people um it was emotional very emotional good lord um but it was good. I think it had a good storyline. Um, like I said, it wasn't predictable at all. It, I, the, My only issue with it is that I wish I would have had a little bit more closure at the end. But that's okay. Alright. So my next three that I have, they're all part of the same series. Um, and that is, the first one is The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. Um, I managed to blow this whole trilogy out in a month, so, (laughs) um, I'm gonna give you the summary of the first one, so, in the ruins of a place once known as North America lies the nation of Penem, a shining capital surrounded by 12 outlying districts. The capital is harsh and cruel, and it keeps the districts in line by forcing them all to send one boy and one girl between the ages of 12 and 18 to participate in the annual Hunger Games, a fight to the death on live TV. 16-year-old Katniss Everdeen, who lives alone with her mother and younger sister, regards it as a death sentence when she steps forward to take her sister's place in the games. But Katniss has been close to dead before, and survival for her is second nature. Without really meaning to, she becomes a contender. But if she is to win, she will have to start making choices that weigh survival against humanity and life against love. Wow. (laughs) So, um, I gave the book a five, writing a five, characters five, plot five, spice a zero, 
Um, I would give it a one. I mean, they yeah, they kiss. kiss. Yeah, I'd give it a one. I'll change that. Um, I don't think I need to explain how good this series is. <laughs> I think everybody knows it, but I will anyways. Um, now I have actually read the first Hunger Games book before, and this is my first time rereading it, and I loved it. I flew through this book. Like, even though I've seen the movies more times than I like, seen this movie in particular more times than I like to count, I was still like, oh my gosh, very stressful on page. <laughs> there were several. They, there's some stuff left out. Like, the, the book, I think, provides more. Yes. Like, tense oh, yeah. feelings. Mm-hmm. The way it's written. It's yeah, with the, and rights. with the way it's written and you're in Katniss's point of view in the games, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, run, please. I watch the movies and every time it gets to the fire scene, I'll, I go, oh hell, you better be running, girl. <laughs> oh yeah. That and the tracker jacker scene where she's, mm-mm, nope. I just feel like there was ways that she could have prevented that, both book and movie, but that that's just my opinion. <laughs> Um, it had, I think in terms of the dystopian genre, this is the first one that I, this is the first series that I think of because it is so good. It has a great plot. It has great characters. Um, the way Suzanne writes, it keeps you engaged the whole time. Like, it almost feels like you're really there in certain points. Like the fire scene, I was like, oh my gosh, please run. (laughs) I think it's the only dystopian novel that she like the world building is incredible because if you think about other dystopian novels like like divergent that's just chicago like yep. she created a whole like country mm-hmm. of pan am which is you know it used to be north america but it's pan am now so she like deals with the whole country of changes oh yeah and so the world building is just incredible to me oh yeah i think it's great um do you want me to go ahead and get my ratings for the next two? Since That's they're all two. together. Well, let's just do them since we're all together. The next one, I pretty much read these back to back and may have put one book in between them. But they were pretty much back to back. The next one is Catching Fire by Suzanne Collins. Once again, book of five, writing of five, characters of five, plot of five, spice of one. Since, you know, kissing. I well, would be making out and catching fire. Oh, yeah. I, you said this is your favorite book in the series. I would 100% agree with you. I would say this is my favorite book in the series. It is. These books keep getting better and better as they go on. Catching Fire is way better than The Hunger Games. I don't say way better. Well, they're still. Re- they're all good. They're all good, but they this they one build just has more significance. They build. They build. This one just has more significance. They build. Um. I put the plot thickens in this one, and it really. Well, this one is the beginning of the revolution. Yeah, this one, this is where the plot really like kicks into full force. It's it kind of starts in the Hunger Games, not a whole lot, but in Catching Fire, it's like full force. Let's go revolution. Um, this is also when my favorite character of all time and the love of my life gets introduced. The one, the only Finnick O'Dare. 
I love this. I love this man. And um, I will say, though, even though I have seen, I know what happens at the end, that freaking cliffhanger. I cannot imagine reading that for the first time, reading that cliffhanger. It was not good. <laughs> imagine going to see the movies one by one as they come out. Oh, yeah. And waiting, like, two years between each movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't do that. But, yeah, I loved this one. I started reading Catching Fire a while ago. Back when I was reading the series, I started it. But then I never, for some reason, I stopped. And I don't know why. <laughs> That's one of my biggest questions. Why did you stop? But, yeah, I flew this through this one i took this one to disney with me and i remember sitting in the airport waiting to go home and i'm just like flipping pages because i was i was booking it through it like at the i think i was at like the halfway point when at disney so that was great but yeah i really liked this one and then the final one mocking jay by suzanne collins once again gave the book a five writing a five characters a five plot a five spies a one just you know the usual i read this one for the first time i loved it loved it loved it loved it um i thought it was a great ending to the trilogy as it wrapped everything up in a nice little bow and we get to see katniss and Peeta achieve some peace <laughs> in this one um because you know they're they're put through the ringer throughout this series especially Peeta. <laughs> everybody god bless it no everybody it's this book definitely takes a shift in tone because in this one everybody is freaking miserable <laughs> this is a this is this book is misery city so um and don't get attached to any side characters nope that is a warning nobody is safe <laughs> in this series nobody several side characters die um, and even though I, even though I have seen these movies, I was still engaged all the way through. Like, I think I remember going to see one of the Mockingjay movies in theaters. I don't remember which one. I think it was part two. Um, uh, there were some, there were some scenes in this book that I kind of wish we got to see in the movies. There were several moment, mo moments, moments with Katniss and Joanna where they were training together and bunking together. Joanna's so unhinged. Just... Talk about a, especially in this one, <laughs> talk about a, talk about a duo. <laughs> Those two. I, I freaking love Joanna. She's, She's so unhinged. I love it. And the fact that her weapon is an, a is an axe, I love it even more. <laughs> um, also, we do get to see more of them kind of start to build a friendship in this book. Also, Katniss and Finnick in this book. They were constantly together in this one. <laughs> or, like, looking for each other. Um, and I will say, though, a lot of these characters have tragic backstories. But I would say Finnick probably has one of the top three <laughs> worst backstories. His is horrible. I feel so bad for him. And also, poor Peta. <laughs> He goes, he goes through three, three ring circus in this book. Um, and there were several moments where 
I was reading this series where there were you can definitely tell that when they were making the movies they looked at the books for like dialogue for dialogue because there are several moments where there are lines just pulled straight from the books especially the portion with snow and Katniss towards the end that's just a lot of the most of the dialogue in the movies is just straight out of the books like that whole scene straight from the book there's, word for word almost there's multiple scenes that are just straight from the book if you read the first book if you read the scene like the scene where they're standing on the pedestal and it's doing the countdown and they're you know the games start if you read the book while you're watching the movie it's like word for word on the page like what you see on the screen is word for word what you're seeing on the page it's just, oh yeah it was 100 percent used for like the well, production of these movies i've watched a lot of interviews with the producer nina jacobson who did all the movies including by the songbirds and snakes and she said that her and francis lawrence who is the director for all the movies and suzanne collins were like buddy buddy system for all these movies that they like work directly with suzanne and i think suzanne writes the scripts well there you go i think um <laughs> i think <clears throat> Everyone should give this series a try. It is so good. And you should give the movies a try. They're also very good. I would say, and I don't think anybody would disagree with me, that the Hunger Games book-to-movie adaptations are probably the best ones so far. They... That's a, yeah, I've been saying that for years. There's... I don't think there's anything that tops it. There's not. <laughs> there's not. Um, there's not. And there's just... Mm, there were several moments. And Mockingjay made me really excited. Well, this whole trilogy made me really excited to read The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I don't know. <laughs> because the whole time, anytime Snow's on the page, I'm like... I want to choke you. I want you to die an agonizing slow death. You are the worst. I think, I was telling somebody about this the other day. I think with the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the only issue I have with that adaptation is the fact that people who have seen the movie but not read the books are not getting the full extent of snow. Because with the book... It's, it's all a, like his him, point of, and you're getting his inner monologue and his like justification for everything he's doing, and he is fully convinced that everything he's doing is right. And if you watch the movie and you haven't read the book, then like he can come off on screen a little bit as like, you know, I really didn't want to do this, but I've been forced into doing this. No, like he was like strategic about everything oh yeah and so like i recommend to anybody who's watched the movie and if you're in love with president snow and you haven't read the book please go read the book and then let me know <laughs> and if you've read the book and you're still in love with him you have issues <laughs> don't ever talk to me about the series again um but yeah i really i kind of want to listen i've hated snow from the get-go because there's a certain reason why but i'm not going to spoil anything um but I'm really kind of, I've never, I watched the movie, but I've never read The Ballad of Summer's Mistake, so I'm really interested to read his inner monologue and also chuck the, book chuck the book across the room. <laughs> He's trash. Oh. Uh, but yeah, um, 
I will say, though, out of all the villains that I've read, Snow is definitely in the top three worst, well, best villains because they're just so evil. (laughs) Yeah, and it's hard because, like, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Pride and Prejudice with um, Keira Knightley, and he plays her father. (laughs) And I'm like... Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, oh, my friend, I don't like you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's over. I, mm, it's so good. All right. Your next one. My next one is One Italian Summer by Rebecca Serrell. Um, When Katie's mother dies, she is left reeling. Carol wasn't just Katie's mom, but her best friend and first phone call. She had all the answers, and now, when Katie needs her the most, she is gone. To make matters, sorry, to make matters worse, their planned mother-daughter trip of a lifetime looms. Two weeks in Positano, the magical town Carol spent the summer right before she met Katie's father. Katie has been waiting years for Carol to take her, and now she is faced with embarking on the adventure alone. But as soon as she steps foot on the Amalfi Coast, Katie begins to feel her mother's spirit. Buoyed by stunning waters, beautiful cliffsides, delightful residents, and of course delectable food, Katie feels herself coming back to life. And then Carol appears. In the flesh. Healthy, suntanned, and 30 years old. Katie doesn't understand what is happening or how. All she can focus on is that she has somehow and possibly gotten her her mother back. Over the course of one Italian summer, Katie gets to know Carol, not as her mother, but as the young woman before her. She is not exactly who Katie imagined she might be, however, and soon Katie must reconcile the mother who knew everything with the young woman who does not yet have a clue. Um, I gave the book a four, I gave the writing a five, characters a five, plot a four, spice a one. Basically, this book felt like if if First of all, if you're a Gilmore Girls fan, go read this book because this is exact. All I could think of was Gilmore Girls. It does make it better that Lauren Graham is narrating the book in the audiobook. So, a little pro tip for you. It feels like if Lorelai died and the book is from Rory's point of view and Rory had to go and, you know, like to Italy and all this stuff. Like, but it almost feels like, you know, if Rory was seeing her mother's past self like before she had Rory and all that kind of stuff so that was interesting to me um literally think the sisterhood of the traveling pants meets Gilmore Girls because that's exactly the vibes it was giving um I was very drawn into this book it felt like I was in Italy and now I have to go (laughs) um the plot twist was crazy, and it really took me off guard. I really wasn't expecting it. Honestly, I hadn't read the full description. So, the plot twist was wild. Um, I would suggest listening to it if you want the extra immersive feel, because just the way it's narrated, and it is first-person POV, so it feels like you're in it. Because, like, with me, with audiobooks, with a book like this, you feel like you're there with the characters, which is nice. Um, but this definitely made me want to pick up more of Rebecca's books, which is why I bought one at Barnes and Noble and ordered one off of Barnes and Noble's website on my recent book haul. Wait. 
All right. So my last book that I have is A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Moss. Um, this is the fifth book <laughs> in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series. So I think I'm just going to give you the synopsis of the first one just to be safe because I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> Should I? Eh, we'll do it. Um, well, yeah, I wouldn't give the synopsis of the first book. Silver Flames is kind of a spinoff. Because if you give the synopsis of the first book, it doesn't have anything to do with Feyre. <laughs> so should I do a quarter? Silver of- Flames has nothing to do with Feyre. So should we do a quarter Silver Flames synopsis? Sure. Okay, let me. If you it. haven't read a quarter Silver Flames and you're worried about. If you haven't read the first books in the Akatar series, skip ahead a little bit. Skip ahead a little bit. Um, alright, so here is the synopsis for Court of Silver Flames. Nesta Archeron has always been prickly proud, swift to anger, and slow to forgive. And ever since being forced into the cauldron and becoming high fae against her will, she struggled to find a place for herself within the strange, deadly world she inhabits. Worse, she can't seem to move past the horrors of the war with Highburn and all she lost in it. The one person who ignites her temper more than any other is Cassian, the battle-scarred warrior whose position in Recent and Feyre's night court keeps him constantly in Nesta's orbit. But her temper isn't the only thing Cassian ignites. The fire between them is undeniable and only burns hotter as they are forced into close quarters with each other. Meanwhile, the treacherous human queens who returned to the continent during the last war have forged a dangerous new alliance threatening the fragile peace that has settled over the realms, and the key to halting them might very well rely on Cassian and Nesta facing their haunting pasts. Against the sweeping backdrop of a world seared by war and plagued with uncertainty, Nesta and Cassian battle monsters from within and without as they search for acceptance and healing in each other's arms. My oh my. <laughs> this book was a roller coaster mentally and physically. Um, I gave the book a five, writing a five, characters a five, plot a four, spice a five. This book is very spicy. And when I mean very spicy, I mean very, 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 very spicy. <laughs> I've heard worse, but yeah. It's Nesta and Cassian. <laughs> um... <laughs> I, so I started reading this book a while ago and I stopped because I had actually hit a reading slump and it caused me to quit. And so I've been wanting to give this book another go. And since House of Flame and Shadow is coming out, I need to get caught up on all her books. So this one was one to cross off the bucket list. And I am very glad I gave this book another go. I was hooked throughout it. Um... I think the greatest accomplishment this book has is that this book made me love Nesta because in the beginnings of this series, I was not a huge fan of Nesta. <laughs> I thought she was very rude. <laughs> and in this one, it this book is very character driven, especially with Nesta. This book basically shows her journey going from being just a sp- bitter, rude, just angry, grieving 
person who's just been traumatized by family life and the war and you watch her grow into this this warrior who kicks butt <laughs> it it's really good to watch her character development um i'm not going to lie though the plot of this book for a while i was very confused <laughs> because especially during the beginning portions I had no idea what was happening. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> the plot with the human queens and there's more to it and I can't really explain it and I'm not going to. The whole plot with the human queens, it's there. It's not, it gets focused on a lot later, but towards the beginning and once you get to the halfway point, it's kind of more in the background as we're more focused on Nesta and Cassian. Um, the, we do get introduced to some new characters in this book. I like their... Um, Nest, Nesta. <laughs> Gwen and Emery. And I remember when I had stopped reading, I had already met Gwen and Emery. And I freaking love Gwen. <laughs> she is so good in this book and her backstory is just so heartbreaking it is so sad and I cannot wait to see more of her story and um speaking speaking of characters listen I love Reese <laughs> I love Reese and but he kind of got on my nerves in this book he got on my nerves really in this book he got on my nerves and there is a specific reason why he got on my nerves and I'm not going to say it because it's a very big spoiler. Um, but it made me severely angry with him to the point where I was very convinced to throw the book across the room, but I was afraid I would break something because the book is very big. Um, there were several points where him and Pharaoh made me mad. Where I was just like, okay, people. I feel like we're doing a lot of dumb decisions. Yeah. Reese and Pharaoh got on my nerves a lot in this book, but it's mainly geared towards Reese, <laughs> where I'm just like, buddy. <laughs> There's certain moments where he's explaining why he's doing what he's doing, but I'm like, but that's not right. <laughs> where in the world do you think that's right? Um, Asriel is just there. He's just there. <laughs> he's just in a corner somewhere. He's, he's, there are quite a few characters who don't really that are a part of the inner circle that are not really a part of this book. Moore is practically gone for a majority of the book. She's gone, and that's why Emily thinks that the next book's going to be in her people. Oh, yeah. 100%. I think I it's, it's going to be Asriel's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Asriel's... There's dr there's hints towards that. There's hints towards Asriel. There's hints towards Moore. I think it's going to be Moore. Some people say there's hints towards Elaine. <laughs> I could see it being, I want it to be Asriel, Elaine, and Gwen. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fun. Because there's several moments with, with Asriel and Gwen where I'm like, if the book's book's not about them, I'm going to scream. <laughs> but, yeah, this book mainly just focuses on Nesta and Cassian, which I like. I love Cassian. <laughs> he was very funny in this book. And the tension between him and Nesta. Oh. But here's my biggest gripe with Cassian, and it has nothing to do with his character. 
it's the I can't take Cassian serious sometimes because anytime he's on the page, I immediately think of Kaven. <laughs> Kaven has ruined Cassian for me, and just like oh my gosh, <laughs> I picture Kaven. Um, but yeah, I I really liked this book, and I'm real interested in the next installment in the Court of Thorns and Roses series. I hope it's about more because I really like more. I can't say what I want to say. Never mind. Because you haven't finished House of Square Beth. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one I have is Grimoire Girl by Hillary Brighton Morgan. So Hillary Brighton Morgan played Peyton Sawyer on One Tree Hill. She is married to Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, I loved her first book, which was The Rural Diaries. And I was very excited to pick up this one. Um, Through memoir essays and magical practices, Grimoire Girl connects us to the enchantment that exists inside us all. Since childhood, Hilary Burton Morgan has felt the call to record, keep, and catalog life in all its strange wonder. It was a whimsical habit with no clear goal. And then, when she became a mother, the importance of all that collecting snapped into focus. In an effort to patchwork together an anthology of traditions, curiosities, and magical thinking that she could pass down, Burton Morgan realized she was crafting a grimoire. In her most intimate book yet, Burton Morgan shares how she's creating an inheritance of mischief and magic that will outlive her. What's more, she shows readers how they can, too... How they too can look at the elements of their lives and collect the pieces into a tangible collection of a lifetime of learning. Because in its purest form, a grimoire was a guide to keep you alive. Like the grimoires of old, full of life-saving wisdom, these pages record the people, places, ideas, and habits that have kept Burton Morgan alive. In her signature voice that is at once honest, witty, and charming, accompanied by whimsical two-color illustrations by Olivia Faust. This book also includes simple spells, which are ways to bring magic into your daily, into your daily, create an altar that delights and inspires, practice candle magic and poetry spells, make an oracle deck, or channel your inner kitchen witch with recipes and potions. So begin your creating your own inheritance take a long look inward and decide what wisdom will be written on the pages of your grimoire um gave the book a four writing a five characters a five plot a four spice zero um i really liked this book i definitely think that rural diaries was better this one wasn't so much so rural diaries was a straight up memoir this was more of like what's happened since and then she provides you with some fun recipes and like journal prompts and stuff like that um i liked learning more about her past in this one and i do want to try some of the recipes and tips that she gives um as someone who loves to journal this book definitely provided some fun prompts to try for example she does tell the reader to grab their grimoire which would be my journal in my case and write a love letter to yourself as though you are writing it to someone else you are in love with so write it to yourself as if it's not writing to yourself which is fun. Um, but I love Hillary, and I think she did a great job with book number two. The next book on my list is The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, this book's been on my list for a while, um, but it 
It was a short audiobook to listen to, and it knocked a book off of the Rory Gilmore reading list, which I am currently working through. I think I've got about 20 books knocked off that list of like 300. <laughs> so we're working through it. Um, let's see. The story of the fabulously wealthy Jay Gatsby and his love for the beautiful Daisy Buchanan of lavish parties on Long Island at a time when New York, when the New York Times noted gin was the national drink and sex the national obsession. It is an exquisitely crafted tale of America in the 1920s. The Great Gatsby is one of the great classics of the 20th century literature. Um, book of four, writing of five, characters of four, plot of five, spice of one. Um, like I said, this is a book I've wanted to read for a long time, and I'm kind of low-key mad it took me to, this long to read it. Um, <clears throat> this is the, like, the epitome of star-crossed lovers and right person, wrong time. Like, this book, if you're looking for a symbol of those two tropes, this is the book to use. Um, and like I said, it was on the Roy Gilmore reading list, so I was glad to take it off. The last book I have is Love and Friendship by Jane Austen. Um, again, this was another quick audiobook that I could get in. And um, with the quick audiobooks, I was trying to get some quick reads in to reach my reading goal, which I did reach 71 out of 70. So that was nice. If I can pull up the synopsis, that would be great. Hello. Good reads, just like. Quit working. That's cool. <laughs> My good reads just quit working. Oh. Here we go. Maybe. Uh, um. Okay, we just won't get a synopsis. That's cool. Alright, I gave the book a three, writing a four, characters a three, plot a three, and spice a one. Um, this was so far my least favorite of Jane Austen's novels. I really just couldn't get into the characters on this one. Basically, it's about a mom who is trying to... Um, she's recently widowed, and she's trying to help her daughter find a suitable match in society. And in the process, she's also trying to find herself a suitable match. So, it's more of a collection of letters than anything. Um, in my opinion, the plot is just a little blah. In comparison to our other books, it felt less like Jane Austen and more like Julia Quinn. Just the like plot of everything. Because normally, Jane Austen books, the ones that I've read so far, are very like enemies to lovers. And right person, wrong time. And star-crossed lovers. And faded lovers. And... All this kind of stuff. And this was just not. This felt a little too strategic for me. And it felt more like a Bridgerton book um, than a Jane Austen book. And that's not saying that's a bad thing. That's just saying like it didn't feel like a Jane Austen book to me. Um, I didn't hate it. It was a quick listen. And it kept my attention enough to like listen to it all the way through. Um, but that is the last book that I have on my December wrap up. Um, so next week we are going to have our book club hostess come on the podcast, um, Alyssa Reckwitz. She is going to be coming on. We will be linking her bookstagram in the description below next week. 
Um, so if you don't already follow her, be sure and look out for that. Um, but she's going to be coming on to do a bookstagram interview of sorts. Um, she has over a thousand followers and we figured it would be fun to have her on and just kind of talk to her about bookstagram things and book club things and, you know, what made her decide to start a book club and all that jazz. Um, so be sure and keep an eye out for next week's episode with that. And if you have any comments or questions about any of the books we discussed on this week's episode, please be sure to let us know. Be sure to follow us on our social medias, which are linked down below, both our individual socials and our podcast socials. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.